This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ancient wasps' nests have enabled scientists to, for the first time, accurately pinpoint the ages of rock paintings dating back thousands of years in a remote part of Australia. And the picture that emerges is one of the continent's earliest human inhabitants getting to grips with climate change. Damien Finch is based at the University of Melbourne, but he works in what is arguably one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Where it is, is a very, very remote part of Australia. It's in the far northwestern corner. And it's an area that we call the Kimberley uh, in an area called Drysdale River National Park. A national park with no roads going into it. It, it, It's so remote, you have to uh, bash your way through a track or fly in on a float plane and land on the river. And what does the art look like? There are a range of styles, and the first or the oldest style, the one that always appears to be under every other painting, largely depicts animals and sometimes plants and very rarely uh, human figures, very, very rarely human figures. Then the style that came after that, the artists have changed quite significantly, and now they're depicting elegant human figures with all sorts of decorations, very, very long headdresses, things tied around their arms and their elbows and their knees and their ankles, often holding what appear to be um, boomerangs. There are always a um, dark red to sort of mulberry to almost black colour, depending on uh, how they've weathered in the particular rock shelter that we find them in. You mentioned rock shelters. Where are most of these things painted and on what? What they're painting it on is almost 1.8 billion year old sandstone. When that weathers and erodes, it still preserves quite a clean face. Um, It looks quite finely grained and therefore it's a good canvas. Normally we find those rock shelters that are, say, within a kilometre or two from water. So they seem to have chosen uh, sites where you get a view, you get an outlook, and and it's cool there in the heat of the day because the Kimberley gets very, very hot indeed. And what do we know about the people who left this art behind? Their ancestors are still living very close by. We know that from DNA studies, and we also get a hint from images, photos that were taken early last century, photos of Aboriginal people performing ceremonies and things, and the headdresses and the decorations and uh, things that we, we see are those same sort of things that appear to be depicted in the paintings. How old, Damien, do we think the pictures and the artwork depicted here are? Because obviously it's very critical because it's so uniquely bound up with the initial people who came to Australia, lived in this part of the world, and and how they evolved and changed their thinking to get a handle on the date. So how old did people think this artwork was? 
It's been a topic of enormous conjecture, Chris. In terms of evidence that we have, uh, Sue O'Connor uh, excavated in the Kimberley and found at the bottom of the excavation, around about 40,000 years old, a fragment of rock that had some pigment over the top of it, clearly something that someone, some person had done uh, around about that time. So there was a feeling that at least pigment was in use at that time. And how have you sought to try to pin this down and work out more precisely how old this artwork is? Knowing that there's nothing in the pigment itself that we can date, we had to look at things that were either over the top of the paintings or underneath the paintings. Because these paintings have been um, on the rock shelter walls for so long, there's mineral accretions that sort of grow over the top. But there's also mud wasps that build nests occasionally (laughs) over the top of these paintings. And even more rarely, the mud wasps will have built a nest on a rock shelter wall and then the artist has come along some time later and painted over the top. And the idea is that we could use those two things, nests over the top of paint and nests underneath paint, to provide age constraints for the paintings. So what's in the mud wasp nest that you can date that's not there in the pigment? A lot, there's a lot of luck there too because as it happens, about 30% of the Kimberley is burnt every year. So there's a lot of charcoal in their environment. And where the mud wasps collect their so-called mud, there'll be tiny microscopic sometimes fragments of charcoal and ash, things that contain carbon that we can then carbon date. Brilliant. So the wasp comes along and puts almost a timestamp into the nest waiting for you in the form of this carbon that you can carbon date. And depending upon whether the, the mud with the charcoal and it is on top of an existing piece of art or has been painted over that then gives you a constraint on when that nest was laid down relative to when the art was laid down. Exactly, yes. So those maximum and minimum age constraints would tell you when those paintings were made. And when you apply this, what emerges as what was painted when? Almost all the data suggests that the paintings were painted around about 12,000 years ago. And it's maybe a 1,000 years in duration. And how does this change our opinion or our view of the significance of this art and what it meant for the people who were making it at the time they were making it? The archaeologists had speculated that paintings in the style where we're showing people highly decorated, perhaps in ceremonies, that may reflect people coming together to try and resolve conflict. And now that we can place this style of rock art on an absolute timescale around 12,000 years ago, we can go to all the other scientific evidence that we've got uh, around what the climate was like at the time and where the sea levels were. And the thing that this evidence now points to is that uh, this notion of conflict, well, maybe it makes sense because Last ice age, uh, around about uh, 19,000, years ago, sea levels were 125 metres lower than they are today. So the coastline was hundreds of kilometres away. And then 14,000 years ago, the sea levels really did start to rise quite rapidly. You could imagine that people are having to move within a generation. The areas that they used to go to hunt and fish and uh, collect food were now being inundated as the seas rose. So they're having to move. But of course, inland, there's people already there. So you could imagine that there would be things that would need to be settled between clan groups and find a way to develop their uh, society so that they could avoid conflict and live more harmoniously, I guess.
So maybe we need to remind ourselves of some of those lessons as history seems to be repeating itself 12,000 years later. Thanks very much to Damien Finch. And the work he was telling me about has just come out in the journal Science Advances. And I'm very jealous of Damien. Having been to the Kimberley, it's absolutely phenomenal.